Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on Dan's podcast is Jerry Larson, who is the mayor of uh, East Hampton Village. The village is separate from the town and is surrounded by the town. And it's a uh, relatively small piece of acreage that is uh, goes from uh, George Capond uh, over to Cedar Street and uh, back from the Ocean of Ways and uh, includes all of downtown and all three of the, the windmills are, that are in town are the, this is the, the town with the most windmills of any village in the Hamptons. I want to welcome you to the podcast, Jerry. And um, I want to also, before I begin, let viewers know that I have a, an iron in the fire here, fire here with this, uh, with the village and this, in that at Christmas, when there's the big Christmas Day parade that goes through the center of town, I'm, the, I'm Santa Claus. Well, I don't know if you know that, Jerry, but there I there I sit, high up in the back with the snow. In any case, um, you're new to relatively new to being a mayor. Uh, I think you've not done it before, <laughs> and and uh, is this I think your second year? Is it since you were elected? Well, well, first I just want to thank you for uh, having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you. Okay. And uh, I did know that you helped us out on the Santa parade. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. That's an incredible thing to do for the kids. My sixth year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is my second year. I was elected in September of 2020. So this is my coming up on my second full year. Now, there's a tradition in the village of long term mayors. Uh, Mayor Rickenback, I think, was mayor for about 20 years. Yeah, that's true. And then he was on the board for even longer. So I think he did a total of almost 30 years on the village board. Well, let me ask you a little bit about uh, where you're, are you from in East Hampton? Did you grow up here or did you move here? Yeah, I moved here when I was about eight years old and we lived on Buell Lane, uh, which is in the village. And I went through all the local schools and then I... Um, became a police officer here in the village. And I worked for the village as a police officer for 34 years. And the last 14 of those years, I was the chief of police. You don't look like you could have been that long for that. <laughs> well, this is a, a gray mustache, not a blonde mustache. It's hard <laughs> to tell on this video. So no, but I really enjoyed, I had a great career as uh, in the police department. I really enjoyed I worked on a lot of um, interesting cases when I was a detective. And what are some of them that you recall? Some of them. Do you remember the uh, the phony Rockefeller case that we had throughout the Hamptons back in the early nineties? Oh, I recall. Yeah, he was a a gentleman from France, right? He posed as a Rockefeller, and he was stealing, uh, embezzling money basically by trick from a lot of 
uh, wealthy people here in the Hamptons, and we were able actually to arrest him. And uh, eventually he was tried and he was uh, forced to leave the country. So that was just one of them. We had other cases that we had artwork stolen from a very famous house on Main Street, Robert Gardner's house. We had, um, well, that wasn't artwork, that was silver that was stolen out of the basement. And we recovered that in Manhattan and made an arrest in Denver on that. Uh, we've had other cases involving Guild Hall where they had some famous paintings stolen and we were able to recover those paintings. And that turned out to be an intern who was working at the at Guild Hall at the time for the summer. A lot of, a lot of uh, really interesting white collar cases that I worked on, which I really enjoyed. I think, um, I think that must have been uh, a very useful kind of preview to, be, to deciding to run for mayor because you learned so much as a, as a police chief. Yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot. And I, I, I saw politics in action and some of the things I liked, some of the things I didn't like. And I saw the direction that our village was going. And in my opinion, it wasn't a good direction. So that's why I decided to run. And what was, what was, your, what was your thinking before you were mayor that you're talking about? I just saw the negative. Um, the village had a, a bad reputation as being the village of no. And I didn't like that that reputation. So I really felt I could make a lot of positive changes. And, and when I say positive changes, Dan, I'm talking about things like a farmer's market that wasn't allowed, wouldn't be allowed in our village in the past, which is something that people really love. It's a very big community event. Uh, we did, we decided to do uh, music um, at our beach, our local beach, one night a week, where we employ local bands to uh, perform free for the community, similar to what they do in Sag Harbor on uh, Bay Street. One night a week, they have a band that plays down there and people come out with their beach chairs and they sit and they enjoy themselves. And I really wanted to make it more of a community-friendly village, which I think it's kind of lost a lot of its friendliness over the years. For whatever reason, I'm not going to you know point fingers or blame people, but I just saw the direction it was going. I didn't like it, and I think we've made a lot of positive changes. Whether it's been, you know, just cleaning up the downtown and making it more, you know, more aesthetically pleasing. In my opinion, uh, we've also helped our local businesses try to bring business back to our to our downtown by adding events in our local park, bringing people into the park, such as the farmer's market. Plus, as we convinced the, uh, we begged the library to do the uh, author's night in the library. And they were gracious enough to, to come into our park this August. I think it's August 20th, I believe is the date of the, uh, you know, that's not true. I, I don't know the date, but it's in, it's in August. The uh, artist writers game. And then of course, yeah, I was going, I was leading up to that. And then we, of course, we have the annual artist writers game, which has been going on for many, many years in Herrick Park. And we wanted to keep that tradition going. So that is happening as well. So there's a lot of events that we were trying to draw into the park and, and in hopes to bring more business into our downtown. That was well, the goal. Talk to, um, talk to me a little bit about the, uh, concert at uh, down at the beach. Is, is that in the pavilion there? So at, at Main Beach on Tuesday nights, it starts at 6 p.m. There's a band from 6 to 7, and then there's another band from 7 to, to 8 o'clock. The band actually sets up on the pavilion, and the spectators sit on their beach chairs on the beach and face 
away from the water back towards the pavilion. And it's just wonderful. We have sponsors who have paid for all the fees for the bands and the, and the sound system. And people just come down and they enjoy themselves. It's really, right. a, it's a great night. I think last night we had about 2,000 people there. Is parking rules suspended because the only village people can park down there or can people from elsewhere come for the concert? Well, what people should know is that after 5 p.m., anyone can park at our beaches. We don't enforce the permit regulations after 5 p.m. on any night, not just Tuesday nights. So people can come and enjoy the beach after five o'clock without any fear of getting parking tickets. That's that's wonderful. I didn't, I didn't read that. I think it's fairly new because that they used to not do that. Um, I, used, I used to go down there for lunch sometimes and park for 15 minutes and get lunch, sit in the car, read the paper. Right. And that was all right. But um, we also at, at Main Beach, Dan, we have this um, uh, new pavilion uh, concession provider that we have there, which is Susan Seacamp. Formerly, they owned, uh, they ran the Beach Hut in Amagansett, and they secured the bid on the Beach Hut, they call it, at Main Beach, and they're doing a great job there. The food, they're open for breakfast, which is really very popular now. So again, you can come to Main Beach and park up until 10 a.m. without any tickets, so you can come enjoy a breakfast up there and sit in the o sit and look at the ocean. You have so much marine life going on out there right now. You have whales and dolphins <laughs> going by we don't allow the sharks so that's the other that's the outside of the village is the only place you'll find sharks well we'll have to blame you for that <laughs> the other places to go there's another way of getting to the beach even during the uh, day which has been around for a, a good while but it's it's always kind of puzzled me and that is the uh this little uh like large gar golf cart that goes down from, uh, does it start in the uh, parking lot by the Y? Is that where it starts? Exactly. It's, it's called, um, you, it was called the free ride. I think it's called the circuit now. And it starts in the long-term lot and it makes its route down Newtown Lane, Main Street, and all the way up to, the, up to Main Beach. It's a terrific way to travel around the village. It is free and it is uh, green. And it, um, it's, it's really good. And we've also, we worked with, the circuit to provide um, transportation from that long-term lot directly through the park for the employees that directly through Herrick Park for the employees who work in our downtown, because we encourage the employees to park in that long-term lot to keep the parking lot free for customers of their own stores. So there's a lot of pushback sometimes that people don't want to walk across the park. So we were able to work a, uh, a deal with uh, the circuit to provide that transportation through the park for the employees, which has been a big hit. How does that work? They, I, can you have a vehicle go through the park there? Well, it, just that golf cart, that oversized golf cart. Yeah. That goes directly through the park. So the employee would park in the long-term parking lot and then get on this um, golf cart and they will bring them into the village and drop them off near Starbucks, near Cons right in that back parking lot. And from there, they can walk to wherever they work. And the same thing in the evening, that golf cart will wait for people and then transport them back to their cars in the long-term lot. How, how often does that uh, golf cart 
pass a particular spot? It's hard to say with their regular route, but with what I was talking about with the customer, you know, the uh, employees, it's really two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. And it's pretty frequent because they just go back and forth for those two hours to help out the employees back and forth to their cars. Um, years ago, years ago, they tried it with a Hampton Jitney bus. But the problem we found with the bus is that it, by the time you wait for the bus, you get on the bus and it deals with all the traffic, you might as well have walked across the park. Right. <laughs> so this way, you know, even if you start walking across the park and the golf cart comes across you, they'll pick you up and bring you the rest of the way. Do they do that also uh, on the main route, pick you up if you stand by the side of the road? I believe they do. Yep. You, you could probably flag them down. They would probably stop. They're all pretty nice. The drivers are pretty nice people. So <laughs> so were some other changes I've noticed in town, which were festoons of flowers on the lampposts, which are they're wonderful, I think. And the other thing I noticed was that they did uh, Belgian blocks around the trees instead of uh, wood in most of downtown. Why was that done that way? Well, for, for years, probably for the last 30 years, there's been railroad ties. That's basically what they were, surrounding the trees. And over the years, those have started to rot and you know, fall apart. And then you have the big spikes sticking out of the wood that were originally used to hold the, the railroad ties. Some of them were, you know, stacked too high. So you had to have these big spikes. It was just very not aesthetically pleasing in my, in my uh, opinion. So when um, I became mayor, that was one of the first projects that we, we completed. It took us quite a while. It took us over a year to do all of those, but we hired two part-time masons who just come to work and that's all they do. And now they're working on a lot of our sidewalks where we have a lot of bricks that are trip hazards. Because remember, you have a sidewalk that has roots and as the trees grow, they push the bricks up in different places. So those all need to be repaired. So it was quite costly to have non-employees and have to sub out, subcontract all that work. It was quite expensive. So by employing two part-time masons, we were able to get a lot of this work done at a very cost-efficient manner. So personally, I think it looks terrific. Yeah, I do too. Thanks. Do you have anything that you can tell us about uh, upcoming that might be un happening that you're working on at the present time? Well, we, um, we did start a recycle uh, program in the village for all the public areas. We have recycled garbage cans, which the village never had in the past. So we actually have a company that if you, if you're walking around the streets, you'll notice that our garbage cans have, you know, uh, recyclable bins and non-recyclable. And we have a company that comes and takes the recyclable material and then recycles it, which is again, the first time, believe it or not, first time this has ever been done in East Hampton village, which seems kind of, um, ridiculous to me that we hadn't been doing anything like this in the past. So that's something that I think was really important that we're doing. We, um, we also had to take a, a large bond to uh, replace a lot of outdated equipment for the fire department, for our highway department. And uh, we're finishing up a, a large project on North Main Street, which is the Dominey Museum, which we just secured a bond for. And we're going to, we should finish that in the next six months. And then East Hampton Historical Society is going to take 
that's going to be their new home, That'll, which is going to be terrific. Yeah. So and, we have a lot of things going on, but those yeah. are just some of the highlights. Well, it's, uh, I, I think a lot of people are very pleased to see all this going on. What are some of the other events you've, you're having in the park and uh, coming up? I know I saw it was antique cars or something, old cars. Yeah, so we had a um, we had a car show in on Memorial Day weekend, which was terrific, and the proceeds of that went to our our veterans. So we, whatever money was raised at that event went to our veterans, and all of this all of these events are being done by the East Hampton Village Foundation, which is a foundation that we started when we took office, and their their mission is is twofold. One is to raise money for projects that the village would like to accomplish without having to uh, secure the money through taxpayer money, such as the renovation of Herrick Park is a project that we're working on right now. We've raised about half the money we need to do the complete renovation of Herrick Park of phase one, which is the two baseball fields and the tennis court, or the softball field, the baseball field, and the tennis court. They're all being swapped around, and the entire field is being re- surfaced, I guess you could say it, and new lighting. It's really, it's a, it's going to be a terrific project. And we plan on starting that in the fall, as long as we can raise the additional monies. So, and then the other mission of the foundation is to try to generate business for our downtown merchants. And that's the concept there is with the events in the park. So we had a car show on Memorial Day weekend. We're going to have another one uh, Labor Day weekend. And they're very well attended. I, I don't know if you made it, but I think yeah. we had over, over 80 cars there last um, on yeah. Memorial Day weekend. And then we have a fall festival that we do for the children in the park, which was a big hit last year. Uh, when is that and what does it consist of? Um, it's Last year it was in um, October, right around Halloween. So we had a costume party, um, a costume contest. I think we had a dog costume cost, dog costume contest and um, uh, some rides for the kids, things like that. It was, it was well received. We've had thousands of people come through there and it was just, and it's all free. The foundation raises the money and it's all free and it's all an attempt to really bring a sense of community back here. Can you explain the uh, uh, third hour of paid parking and how that works? Yeah, uh... this is actually a big hit believe it or not, even though we took a lot of grief when we first started this idea. So over the years, I've heard a lot of complaints from merchants and customers that two hours parking, and that was our max, you could only, and it's free, but you get two hours to park, and then you have to move your car to another location. So the complaint was two hours is not enough because you couldn't have lunch and shop comfortably in only two hours. And you couldn't see a movie in two hours. Yeah. So that was the complaints I heard for years. So what we did is in the off season, which is after September 15th, it's three hour unlimited parking for everyone. In season, which is Memorial, basically May 15th through September 15th, it's two hour parking, but then you have an option of buying a third hour should you need a third hour. So if everybody has two hours for free, and if you only use your two hours and you move your car, you have to do nothing. If you choose to for the third hour, let's say you're having your hair done and it goes beyond 
the two hour limit, you can just go on your phone and you can add a third hour for $10. And it's been well received. I, I haven't heard any complaints about it other than sometimes people will complain that, you know, they couldn't get Wi-Fi or something. So they couldn't get on the app right away. Where, what is the uh, phone number or how do you get the uh, know what number to call? Well, there's two ways to do it. When you when you pull in the parking lot, there are signs that mm -hmm. tell you Park Mobile is the app that you can use. So you can download the app onto your phone and then you can register with the app. And then it's only a one-time registration and then you have it available every time you use it. The nice part about it is Sag Harbor uses the same app. And we kind of did that together so that, you know, you're not changing apps every if you go to a different village. <laughs> And I believe I just was on with Jesse Warren, Southampton Village Mayor, and I believe their board is going to try a uh, possibly doing a pilot program with uh, Park Mobile. So and if you don't have a phone that you can download an app to, then there's a phone number that's displayed on the sign and you call them and they'll walk you through the process of, of paying for the third hour. I saw the uh, sign on uh, going into the parking lot. Are there signs also on the uh, poles on the streets at all? Not on the streets because we didn't do anything different with the streets. Uh -huh. We left the streets one hour parking. You can't buy additional time on the streets because we really want that turnover. So, but you can only buy the third hour in the Rudishan parking lot or the Skank parking lot. I see. Well, we also use it for our daily beach permits, you know, daily beach parking. And we also use it for the railroad parking. So if you choose to take the train into the city, you can. we have parking spots up there you can pay per day for a maximum of seven days. The nice part about all this is if you're a village resident, you, you get the third hour in the parking lot for free and you get, there's no fee at all if you're using the train. So you can leave your car there for seven days with no, no fee at all. Are there any problems that you've seen, you seem to have done quite a lot and uh, it's all been successful, it seems. Has there anything that you tried or that you thought about and then decided against after thinking you should? Yeah, the, the, one, the one thing I really want to do, and I still want to do it, I've just, um, I backed off the idea because it was a lot of, you know, complaints that it wouldn't work, but it was going to be diagonal parking on Newtown Lane. It would increase parking because diagonal takes up less space than parallel parking. And personally, I think it's safer for people who are walking on the streets. Right now, Newtown Lane has two lanes on one side of the road. And when you cross the crosswalk, it makes it very dangerous because you're not really expecting that second lane of traffic. And cars, quite honestly, are not expecting a crosswalk. So it makes it very dangerous. And we have the same situation on, on Main Street, but that's a state road. So we have a whole nother issue. But on Newtown, we have the authority and the ability to change it to diagonal parking, such as um, all the other villages have it. You have Sag Harbor Village has diagonal parking, Southampton Village, West Hampton Village. So it's, yeah. not, it's not a unique, I, I mean, it's, it's not a unique idea, but it's definitely something that would increase parking spots. It would slow traffic down on the street. It would shorten the crosswalks to make it safer. I think it's a, a good idea to try, but again, there was so much grief about it. It wasn't something that I needed to, yeah. to do. Well, thanks for taking the time to uh, 
be on the podcast. I'm talking to Jerry Larson, the mayor of East Hampton. And um, uh, I'll see you at the artist writers game. No, I can't wait. I can't yep. wait. It's such a fun day to be there and, and see everybody. And last year I was lucky enough. They let me uh, start it, you know, like make a quick announcement and, and say play ball. So I really enjoyed that. That's a, and that's a, when I was chief, the, you you were kind enough to even let me play in the game. So, <laughs> but those days are done. So <laughs> how did you do? I did okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> great, but uh, you know, like I'm not like an Ed Hollander, you know, yeah, that guy, this guy, he can play. Yes. So. Well, we'll see you there. And uh, it's at two o'clock on the 20th and coming up. And uh, before that, the uh, uh, author's night, it's going to be very interesting. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate the time. Thanks very much, Dan. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.